Welcome back to Black Belt. Or Bust. I'm Misty. And I'm Keely. Alright, today, what are we talking about, Keely? <laughs> so, the first one we wanted to do today is, it's competition week. Mm-hmm. What are some things to expect? What should your schedule look like? What are some things you should or should not be doing? And again, this is just some of the things from our personal experiences. You may have other things that you want to do. Some people like to do a lot of work and volume the week of some people don't some people don't train at all some people just do like stretching you know it's a little bit all over the place and I think it also depends on what kind of matchup that you're looking for too Mm -hmm. like whether you're going to have tournaments where maybe you're on weight maybe you aren't are you doing a super fight against somebody that you know the specific game you know kind of up in the air different things to consider yeah um week of I know that I like to take it a lot easier on my body I don't like to roll the week of competing I'll drill but I won't roll see and I'll stop rolling like the Thursday before yeah like that Wednesday will be my last roll but even then Wednesday's the last like light roll day Mm -hmm. Monday Tuesday can be moderate rolls but as of the Friday before I don't have any heavy hard rolling sessions where it's like just movement mobility because if not so like I mean you've seen where I've had the neck and shoulder issues lately, I lock up so quickly yeah. that it's like I have to do some sort of flow roll or movement just to not feel very stiff. Yeah, there's that. And if you're rolling, even if it's just a flow roll, most likely we're rolling with people we trust, people we know who aren't going to crank submissions, um, people who are going to take care of us, people who know we're competing, and they like will tell them what we're looking for. So right. if it's like, hey, I want a flow roll, but I really need to work on passing. Can you just get me in your guard as much as possible? It's a lot more of things like that. Otherwise, it's just, for me, it's injury prevention, and it's not burning myself out before tournament. Yeah. And then, ta-da, it's the, not the week of, but the week before the week of. I'm like a week and a half out from a competition on Saturday, and I'm facing burnout. Mm-hmm. And so it was back off this week so that I have a moderate week next week and I feel good before going into Saturday. Yeah. But even last week, so that would be like a little over two weeks out, whenever I was rolling harder and like this week, the few rolls that I'm going to get, I'm not going to go quite as hard. It's just going to be enough to move, to think, to be flexible, stuff like that. Yeah. But even then when I, every person I worked with, they knew that I had a competition coming up or that I just came off that neck injury. So Mm -hmm. it was one of two questions where it was, what can't you do or what are you not doing? So it would be like, you know, if you get me in a choke, I'm going to tap early. If I'm in a certain inversion, I may have to quickly abandon it. So just like, don't stuff me in a certain inversion until I kind of get out of it. But they would also ask me, what do I need to do to you? Mm-hmm. Or what kind of guard, what kind of passing do you think you're going to see that you want me to work on? Um, one was actually Ben Hilton, where he was like, what kind of game do you need me to play? And I was like, you know, one person that, that comes to mind is going to do this. Can you play that kind of game? And so being able to communicate with your partners the things that you need in the roles to be able to get something out of them prior to a tournament to kind of just tweak a few things. Yeah, because if you're rolling to get ready... For tournament, competition, super fight, whatever it is, most likely you're going to be rolling more with people who have a lot more experience than you, or they're competitors with you, people who are going to help you 
get ready for your fight. So, I mean, I wouldn't be working with a brand new white belt no. close to tournament, not because I, like, I don't want, not because, yeah. like, it's, I don't it's want not to work that... with a white belt. It's just, I'm less likely to get injured. I can be focused on what I need to work on for me to win. Exactly. And yes, that's closer to more preparation. And, and that's, like, a whole nother conversation that I think we need to have is, especially for competitors... The people that want to do super fights, you want to do MMA fights, you want to do different tournaments, you want to do submission only. There are times to be an upper rank and to encourage and help other people and allow them to work. And then there are times that you can be selfish. Yeah. And it's figuring out a balance between the two because you don't want to come across as a dick. You don't want to be known as, well, that guy just wants to compete. They just roll hard all the time. Mm -hmm. That's not the intention. It's... Being able to designate the time between, like right now, I'm not really rolling with any new person because that's when I get hurt. Yeah. Example A, first day I was allowed to roll, I was finally cleared, I use air quotes, to roll in my first day rolling, I went with a white belt who'd been there for a little bit and I got head, like thrown head first into a wall, first yeah. roll. Whereas I dealt with a purple belt later on in the day and it was very controlled, very smooth. He was able, he wasn't a purple belt at the time. He had the four stripe, but he got his purple yeah. belt right afterwards. <laughs> um, but he was very controlled and he was, he understood like, hey, you're coming off of a neck injury. I'm not going to do something dickish. Yeah. So especially coming up to a competition, if you have upper ranks available, I suggest maybe not only working with them, but anytime you're rolling try to work with those individuals so they can give you a more technical role rather than just like an all-out brawl yeah or being muscled or being injured but also keep in mind the size and weight differences so say all of your upper ranks are like 20 30 pounds different from you and then there's a couple of lower ranks that are closer to your size mix it up but choose wisely yes don't just say yes to every role. I struggle with this. Be okay to say no. And be it. put yourself first. Yeah. This is the time to put yourself first. Yeah. And one thing I think about when getting ready to compete and I'm working with a higher rank, I'm more likely to want them to put me in bad positions to work myself out of because I really trust that they're going to take care of me. Like if it's, hey, we need to start with me in an arm bar so I can mm-hmm. work on getting out. I'm going to be working with a purple belt and up Mm -hmm. when we're starting in submission positions. Just because I know that they're doing this more for my preparation versus more for them. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense? It does. Yeah. So they're not going to crank that arm bar. They're going to let me work out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they know know that they can go maintenance mode Mm -hmm. rather than having to skip to the submission. So they can work on doing different types of maintenance. Um... And again, we are in the position in which we have upper ranks made available to us. Yes. And the upper ranks that we have to work with are very amazing in that we can tell them, hey, I'm working on this. And they are willingly sacrificing their time coming outside of class times, either getting there before Mm -hmm. to be able to work on stuff specific to us Mm -hmm. with the understanding that if they have something coming up and they're like, hey, I need somebody that we're going to do that for them. Yes. It may not always be that way. They may not have something going on. They may not be competing for a while. They may have just other things. But it's always there being like, hey, I want to get work in. Can we do this? Yeah. So, like, 
the first thing that I think of is Smitty. So Smitty is a, uh, he's had his black belt almost a year, right? Mm -hmm. And he teaches some of the morning classes. Well, every morning after class, he stays with me an hour to get gi rolls in because yeah. he's been doing so much no gi. So he's sacrificing his time to be able to work with me to get ready for different things. But he's yeah. also getting time in where he was like, I haven't been in the gi much in the past couple of months because I'm teaching no gi classes. Yeah. So it was a, a mutually beneficial relationship between the two of us. Yeah, and he's like that even on during open mats. He'll work with a lower belt. Doesn't matter if you're white belt or a blue belt. He'll eat, spend that whole open mat trying to help you with mm -hmm. things. And that's what's so good, not just, I mean, about him, but a lot of our upper belts that we have are willing to do that for the rest of us. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, like, when you're a white belt, you learn, you grow into all of that. Mm -hmm. You really do. Because when you're a white belt, you're still learning for yourself, but let's say you're a white belt and you're wanting to compete, like, work with the upper ranks. If you know there might be other white belts there that are willing to help you work with them, if you know you're more likely to get injured by some other white belts, like... Maybe steer clear of them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a personal. Well, it's kind of personal because you don't want to get hurt. But um, these are things you grow into. And you don't learn to do for yourself as a competitor, but you start to do for your teammates who compete. Because mm -hmm. you will have those people who are on your team that don't compete, but they will do everything they can they to help you. They do all the training for it, mm -hmm. yeah. And then... That makes me want to go on this, like, kind of, like, side side note. Let's say you are in a predicament in which you don't have a lot of upper ranks to be able to go to. You have a lot of people your similar rank. How to train appropriately. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing is communicate with them what's going on. So I would highly recommend, especially if you're w working with somebody of similar ranking and you are worried about getting hurt, doing more situational training. Yeah. In that you're able to control, maybe say you're going against a bigger guy and be like, okay, I need to work my top game. Maybe like have them work more on their guard and guard retention and work on your passing and more dominant positions because, you know, they're more tolerant of that. And then being very communicative with them, being like, I have something coming up. You can't muscle me. You cannot smash the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. You can't slam me. They shouldn't be doing this anyway, yeah. but especially leading up to something. I mean, for some of these tournaments, you're dropping a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. Not only in entrance fees, but in maybe waivers or separate, driving down to get there, staying mm -hmm. at hotels, booking Airbnbs. Maybe you're flying out and it's a couple day trip. I mean, this is a lot of money. This is an investment. So not yeah. only are you paying your gym dues, you're paying all these competition fees. A lot of this is out of pocket. And depending on how long you've been preparing for that, you know, it might be a big chunk of change. This yeah. might be your one tournament in a year. You don't want some new person that has a big ego to mess that up for yeah. you. Yeah, and I think you and I are pretty lucky because David, when he knows someone's competing, any one of us, mm -hmm. he's very strategic of how he partners our rolling, who we roll with, groups he puts us in. Um... I've seen him do that because I've been training for, what, two and a half years now. Um, from the very beginning, someone's competing. He knows how to strategically place them with who they need to be rolling with. May that be situational training or our roll days, you know, mm -hmm. like we have. 
so we're very lucky and we do we are very much aware that a lot of other schools might not have that and a lot of other people might not have access to really good upper belts like you've said um good instructors people of similar body frame and weight yes even having as many classes as we do or not even just the option of having those classes but our gym is open from one certain time to another certain time so we don't even have to go to class we can show up any time of day and train for you know eight yeah hours we can, if we we can schedule to. somebody else we can yeah. talk to our partners be like hey i can't make it to this class time i can get there outside of class and the gym is open and other gyms are restricted in that they have de- designated open gym or open mat times yes whereas we're very blessed because it is an additional fitness facility yeah it's open like over 12 hours a day. Yeah. So we have the more of an opportunity to go in. Mm-hmm. So your training schedule is also going to be reflective of when can you actually get in the gym. One thing, and as you were talking, it made me think of this. If you don't have somebody the same weight and frame, some of you ladies are the only ones at your gym. The competition should not be the first time you ever roll with a woman. No. And by that, I mean, maybe you need to try to find a seminar to meet another woman. Maybe you need to travel to another gym just to work with somebody, even if it's drilling, even if it's just for a little bit, to see how their body moves or at least get one roll in so that you're not shell-shocked when you go into your first competition. Yeah, and we're really lucky because we do have a lot of women at our gym who train. Some, I mean... We're pretty much the only two that compete. Everybody else doesn't. But we do have the opportunity to roll with other females, even other females our size. I think when it comes to competing, if you really want to be, and this is my opinion, um, and like I said, I'm not like two and a half years experienced. If you're wanting to compete and you know you want to compete, I do think you have to be strategic about the school you're going to and mm-hmm. looking at into um, to become a successful competitor. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's actually been brought up on a lot of Facebook groups that you and I are in lately where some mm-hmm. women have been contemplating changing gyms due to the fact that they either want to compete, there's more women available, there's more upper ranks available for them to be able to learn from. And that is taken into account of are you, what are you, are you doing this for? And in this instance, for competition. If you want to be good at sport jiu-jitsu, yeah. whether it's gi or no gi, Maybe I really love the gi, you're more no gi, which is kind of our instance. Well, if there was a gym specific to gi competitors, people who are on the fight to win cards and stuff like that, I'm going to be more drawn to them because that is what I want to do. Whereas say that there was more of like the tent planet style, more no gi, you would be more drawn to that because that is what you want out of it. Mm -hmm. So that's a perfect point is looking at the gym to see is it going to give you what you want in order to compete and compete well? Yeah. Um, even when traveling, if I'm wanting to go train somewhere, I'm going to do a little bit of research to see which schools have more women. So I'll either ask David or I'll ask other people that I may not may know in the jiu-jitsu community if I'm like, hey, are there women that train here? Mm-hmm. If there are, then yeah, I go. So I have the opportunity to train with other women and other women my size Mm -hmm. and obviously the sport is growing and more women are doing it but when you're wanting to prepare for competition and I've really learned this 
you have to train with people your size. Like, no other people enroll like the people yeah, in my division. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I can predict how all the girls in my division roll, what positions they like, what guards they like, and it's spot on every single time. And when I had to do a different weight class and I rolled with women in a different weight class, the funny thing was women in that weight class outside of the tournament mm-hmm. rolled the same way as those women. And I really came to learn that where I'm like, okay, if I'm getting ready for a competition, I've got to be rolling with people who are probably within a 10 pound mm-hmm. range. Yeah. And I mean, possible. even between the two of us, I've got about 20 to 30 pounds on you. Mm-hmm. You know, I think closer to 30. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I've gained weight. Yeah. Like, if I'm rolling with someone around your size and who has, like, your level of strength, sometimes I'm going to be dealing with a lot more pressure. I don't deal with a lot of pressure with my division. We're fast. Yeah. We're speedy. We're fast. We're mo- we, we move. So when I start rolling with women who are my size and the chances that I've been able to do that, they're either white belts or they're like purple belts and higher mm-hmm. they're fast they're yeah. fast and they're speedy they don't and if they have pressure if they're a upper rank they know how to put their pressure but they're not hanging out they're moving mm-hmm. and they're doing it the right way so i also recommend doing that and i know like this episode is on the week of but when you're training and you're really trying to hone in on what you need to work on before you go to tournament it's like it's like when you're studying for an exam don't wait till last second and cram. No. And I tell people this all the time, too. Like, a lot of that test anxiety comes from this lack of feeling prepared. I tell mm-hmm. it. Because when people are like, I don't know what to do about my test anxiety. It usually comes from this understanding that you know you're not fully prepared for this test. And you second guess yourself. Yeah. So when you've got an exam coming up and you, you're a week out, this is where you're focusing on little things, little holes. Um... Where it's like, okay, maybe I need to cover this chapter a little bit more. I've, I've studied this the least, or I'm the least confident about this. Jiu-Jitsu is the same. And getting ready for a tournament is the same. It's like, okay, how's my passing? Maybe I need to work on this. So even that week of, if you're like, here are where some of my holes are. I'm, am I doing my grip switch right? Do, do I know these things that I'm going to be... I'm going to experience within... You're going to be tested on. Yes. And those two, that's kind of like the analogy I can, can think of, especially when one week out prep. Mm-hmm. But let's also talk about the fact you've got to be on weight. Yeah. Because if you're an IBJJF and you're off, you don't get to compete. Yeah. And I don't know about other tournaments. IBJJF and AGF are the only two I've experienced. Yeah, so it coming back to that in one second i'm 100 percent with you on the like kind of find the holes in your game but mm-hmm. understand that the sooner to the deadline you try to learn something new you are not going to know what day of yeah so if all of a sudden you're like oh i want to do this like flying pass and it's the day before and you're drilling like a hundred times well guess what now you're just tired for the next day yeah so getting back to what you were saying making sure that you're on weight depending on what kind of situation you're in, if you're weighing in the gi or not, if you're weighing in the day before, or if you're weighing in right before. If you had to do a larger cut, this should be weeks in advance. This should not be week of at all. 
And if you think, trust me, I've done this. I've done, like, I think my first fight was like 12 pounds in six days and I was on my period and bloated and it was a terrible idea. And I could not lose the weight and it was just miserable and I sh- shouldn't have been fighting anyway. But another story. Um, that should be far in advance. Like, I mean, we've had that conversation with Teeny before. This should be weeks out that yeah. you're cl- slowly cleaning up your diet. You're getting rid of any other, like, drinks and junk food and stuff like that. You're eating pretty clean so that by the time you get to the week of, you're not worried about weight. Yeah. It's just it's going to fall off. Yeah, and if you're newer to listening or if you miss that episode with Bettini, go back and listen to it because she actually helps people be on weight for fights. Mm-hmm. Um, the last one, she actually helped Charlie, who was also on another yeah. episode, and is also now our teeny. Yeah. We're really excited about it. Um, but go back and listen to that, because we do talk about that. Um, but now we're, we are talking about the fact how you have to be on weight, and there are some last, maybe not last minute things to do. But, but just the week of what that, you should be focused yeah, on. It's still that same thing within getting ready for an exam. You're not trying to cram all the information you've learned from all these chapters and now it's like oh I've got a week now I got to study it it's more like okay what do I need to like tighten up what do I need to make just little things that exactly help you be ready I guess so first of all you need to know how much your weight fluctuates mm-hmm. for one so if you haven't touched a scale in a long time you need to be you need to be weighing yourself for a few days or like a couple of times like throughout a day so you can figure out how much does your weight fluctuate within a day and then also particularly for ladies when you are on your period how much your weight is going to fluctuate then because trust me anytime there's going to be a tournament you are going to get your period it's going to happen yeah guys that are listening i apologize but you know we're women this happens but you can blow and you can literally gain five pounds like, I mean, that's happened to me. That's a personal thing that's happened yeah. to me. Another thing I want to mention is food triggers. Maybe you eat something that does not agree with your body, um, so it throws off your whole digestive system. Mm-hmm. That's, for me, I get a little bit more, I don't want to say, like, obsessive-compulsive um, or any realm of, like, that will affect any sort of, part of my mental health that's unhealthy but I do become more aware of what I'm eating Mm -hmm. so I'm like I'm gonna stay away from processed sugar I'm gonna stay away from some certain things because it's gonna throw off my my body yeah 100% 100% because the week of is gonna be some of my cleanest eating mainly because I don't want digestive upset Mm -hmm. but also I know the foods that are gonna make me blow I know what I'm gonna crave so I'm gonna I'm already gonna have thought about that to balance it so I'm doing mainly like Plain chickens, vegetables, not a lot of sugars, uh, decreasing carbs as it is. I'm going to increase my proteins and fats so that I have plenty of energy to be able to continue my workouts but still Mm -hmm. cutting weight. Um, And I'm also going to be drinking a lot of water. I end up doing... I feel better if I've done a slight water cut. Mm -hmm. And by water cut, I mean like Sunday you're going to have two gallons. Monday, a gallon. Half gallon. Quarter gallon. Just to help, help your body cycle through. Make sure that you're really opening up your like all of the hormonal pathways that you're yeah. dealing with and we can get into that in later episodes because I will really nerd out about that <laughs> um in order for your body to be able to drop weight more readily yeah. but notice as you put more water into your body you need to be doing a little bit of conditioning every single day just to work it off and get a little bit of a sweat 
Yeah. You're going to see some people that they're doing sweatsuits every single day. They're doing albaline soaks all the time. If you have thoroughly prepared your body, that should be the last resort. Mm-hmm. You know, it should be you've kind of conditioned your body. Maybe you've done different circuits of, like, row and elliptical, you know, low impact on your knees and legs so that you're not actually wearing yourself out. Because, again, this is just to work up a sweat. It's not necessarily to, like, kill yourself yeah. or have, like, a really hard, intense CrossFit workout. Yeah, and some things we do need to reinforce because I think this needs to be said, especially with newer people. Um, everybody cuts weight differently. And when it comes to women cutting weight, it is different than when men cut weight. We've talked to Teeny about this. I've talked to other female athletes about this. Um, a dietitian that I worked with, like, who we will have on the podcast. But if you... Lily said yes. <laughs> it is different. If you are a female competing and you've never cut weight before, I'm going to recommend you go to a professional... And another female to cut weight. Or go up a weight class to not deal with that. Roll at a higher weight class mm-hmm. or something as close to your walking weight as possible. Remember, in a lot of these competitions, you're going to weigh in in your gi. Your gi can yeah. be three and a half to five pounds depending on the material. Yeah. So for me, for for example, um, I'm my walking weight hits right at light feather. But with my gi... It puts on three pounds and puts me in the featherweight division. Mm-hmm. Featherweight is usually the most full. I would rather compete at light feather. I feel like I actually perform my best there. Um, so that's why I will choose to go down weight class and drop two to three pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, tr- you know, I've struggled. I've talked about this before on the podcast. Um, of issues I've had with dehydration and being hungry, and I don't recommend it. Um, that's why I decided to work with Natty. She's a registered dietitian. Um, if you want to follow her, it's at Natty Boss on Instagram. She's also on Facebook. Um, she has specifically helps female athletes with this. Um, and she also did that blueprint program. So yes. a lot of the athletes that are wanting to do pans and worlds mm-hmm. and master worlds have worked on this. Isn't it like a 12-week or is it 8-week? Nine. No. I did it all of quarantine. It was like from March to May. Yeah. So it's it's an extensive period that if you work on one of these blueprints prior to one of your competitions, she will Mm -hmm. help safely integrate your body into the different systems that you, like you're going to get more sleep, you're going to go to the bathroom more, you're going to drink more water, you're going to eat more greens, you're going to have more whole foods rather than processed foods. So by the end of it, your body is tuned in, and it's just ready to drop weight yeah. like that. It's a lot of nutrient timing. So it's it's doing things a healthy way, but we, there are a lot of females, I think. And Sophia McDermott's another one. Um, she's more nutrition-based, mm-hmm. where it's about foods <laughs> foods that make you feel good. So, so there are plenty of resources that we have as women to make sure we are on weight going back to like the week of competition. And if you're got we know men listen to our podcast as well. Um forty six percent of listeners. <laughs> so <Thanks>. I got <laughs> I can't speak for the guys because in our gym, the way the guys are cut cut weight, it's so different and I just don't go into that world. Okay. So make sure if you are a guy and you're cutting weight, you talk to the most um trustful male 
in your gym. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna side story it. I know we wanted to keep this as a short episode, but we got side story. Some of the best people that I have cut weight with have been the guys because they will grit through it with you, even if they don't need to cut weight, they will grit through it with you. Um, highly recommend that throughout the week leading up to it, if you are not one that sweats much, like you know, sometimes we've really conditioned our bodies that it takes very intense rolls in order for us to sweat in a gi. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need to start wearing a couple of like base layers. Sometimes I have like double pair of leggings, neoprene top a long sleeve, a hoodie, because I just didn't sweat as much at the time to be able to really get a good blood flow, even when I'm just drilling in class. Well, that's, it's like that in the wintertime. Sorry, I didn't yeah, mean to pick you up, but, like, it is winter like the wintertime specifically, I think, too, like, I have to layer up to yeah. really sweat, but keep going. Yeah, no, same, same. Um, if you know that your gym is going to be a little bit cooler or they have a lot of fans, then you need to go ahead and start preparing and bring a couple layers. Week of, even if I'm completely on weight, I like to get a little bit of a sweat. So you know it's competition week when I come in in a hoodie and it's hot. Yeah. Because I just want to sweat. I just want to, I don't want to have to work as much. Yeah. So you're trying to look for efficiency here. Saving energy, but still getting the same results. And... We know, we can talk about the sauna too, but something that I'm aware of is not everybody is going to have access to a sauna. So you have to do things to make you sweat on your own. Um, unless you do have like a gym that's not your jujitsu gym, but you do have a gym nearby that maybe you could do day pass and use their sauna. Okay, here's my side story. Actually, there's <laughs> kind of like two side stories. Redneck Ingenuity. So this was my one of my last Mississippi weight cuts. We had one of those like half bath bathrooms at the gym. Mm-hmm. And I think I've talked about this before where it was like I was like wrapped up like a burrito. We had two space heaters in there. We turned the shower on so that it would steam up a little bit. So I turned the shower on and off. And we wedged towels underneath the bathroom door. And they had to like close me in from the other side. And every couple minutes they'd come check on me just so I could kind of make that my own little sauna. Yeah. So those are an option. But make sure that you have somebody to check on you. Because if you pass out, this is a terrible experience. And then you have to rehydrate. And then all of it's gone all the way. Yeah. So just be safe. And that's why like if... Like we said, this episode is on the week of, so I think in my mind, if we're talking about the week of before comp tournament, like it starts the Monday and you're competing Saturday um, or Sunday, this week is about stay- staying safe. It is. That's the key and, and term preparation. that comes to mind is like preparation and safety because... You don't want to get injured on a Monday. You don't want to injure yourself by either trying to cut weight or do no. too much. If you you want to do as little as possible because you know your body. So if you do not need to do a water cut, if you do not need to do all of these different things, then don't. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just need to go to yoga a few times. Yeah. I know we like to go to hot yoga, especially if we're trying to get a little bit of a sweat and just to relax or anything. Like I said, Thursday, we quit rolling. That Thursday or Friday, I'm going to go to hot yoga. Yeah. Because Friday, Saturday, you might be traveling. And we're going to have another episode where we talk about competition day, maybe like the day before. Yeah. And so you listen to your body because you know it best. That being said, be prepared for the week. So if you have decided that you want to do some of these things or implement some of these things it shouldn't be like Wednesday hey I need to cut five pounds how do I do that well now you're getting too close also should have said this at the beginning of the episode the week of is not when you tell your teammates and your coach that you are competing no the day of is not when you say oh I don't know the rules yeah and we understand some people I think 
more experienced people. And when I say experienced, more experienced people that have people competed and know what they can get away with. Might sign up at the last minute and just be like, "Hey, coach, I think I'm gonna sign up." Um, always ask your coach if it's a good idea. Um, I mean, because, I've taken my yeah. stuff to a tournament and said for shits and giggles, like, "Hey, I might as well." Like, if if yeah. it was a tournament that you could sign up, it was like, "Hey, I'm just gonna jump in." But I've yeah. also been working. It's not like I came off cold. Yeah. I, my body, like my, I knew my body. Because we, I do know that sometimes too, it can be a little irksome. Um, for like fighters when they pick up a fight, like they fighters will decide to do a fight and then they choose to be like 15 pounds lighter. It's like a week before. It's like a whole thing. So save your coach some mental energy. Save yourself some mental energy. Um, but a lot of this is just, it's you've already prepared. You've already decided to compete. Now it's the week out of tournament. What do you do? There is one more thing I do want to talk about with this. Um, and this is when David talks about like breaking. Like mm-hmm. it's better to break in the gym than break at the day competition. And when I what I mean by that is if it for me it was my first time competing and I think we were rolling getting ready and I just had a breakdown and like I really just broke and just started crying. And that happens and there's no shame in it because it's nerves, it's anxiety. Um, and self doubt, other things too, yeah. where you might have stressors in your day to day life, and this means so much to you, and that pressure builds up where you're like, mm-hmm. and I've got all this going on that's just stacked up against me, and it's normal. I can't tell you how many times yeah. my instructors have seen me cry. I mean, at one point, I was in a sweatsuit on a rower, bawling, yeah. and the entire time I was like, tears mean I'm losing weight, I'm still losing weight, like, as I'm crying. Or you question, like, why am I doing this, but I also want to say that it's okay to have those, those little breakdowns and those breaks, because if you have them, sometimes you're going to have them the week of tournament, cry, pick yourself up, and go out there and do it, especially if this is your first tournament, go and do it, because... I don't want to say you'll re- you, you won't regret it. I yeah, you won't regret competing because you'll go out and you do it and it's fun and yeah, that's all I have to say on that. But <laughs> I did want to bring up the mental breakdown yeah. because that will happen. One hundred percent. And going into it, and this is just one more thing, and we can have we're gonna have another conversation about like you know like day of competition tips tricks stuff like that. Um, like she said, your mental mindset going into this, if you have really built this up into something it's not and you it's becoming a negative experience talk to your coach mm-hmm. talk to somebody who has been through it before maybe recently talk to an upper rank that competes a lot and how they've kind of built and developed themselves through it and they can answer some of your questions and even if you don't know what questions those are you have them yeah where it might you might just be talking to them and you don't realize how like some of the answers you needed until you've had a conversation with them just to tell them, hey, this is what's bothering me. This is what I'm worried about. This is what I'm freaking out about. And then like going mm-hmm. off that long tangent, and they can just say one or two things, and all of a sudden you're like, all is right with the world. Yeah. <laughs> um. And if you need some competitors to like look after, follow. Um. Some people who inspire you, you may not might not follow the same people that I follow or Keely follows, but even world champions 
still get nervous before they complete or before they compete. Claudia Duvall. She mm-hmm. even made a post how she gets nervous every time she competes. I was like, she's the number one ranked female in the gi in the world, and she still gets nervous before competing. My mindset is that if I don't feel a little bit nervous, a little bit anxious, a little bit worried, I don't care enough. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. If you don't have a little bit of apprehension that you want to do well, mm-hmm. you don't care. Yeah. No matter all the work you put in, if you're like, eh, it's just a thing... Yeah. Then it's really not a thing to you. Yeah. And it's normal, but um, those are the things that I yeah. wanted to say. Here's this. some of our week of rambling. Yeah. And <laughs> so the next episode we're going to have hopefully is going to be an interview with one of our favorite people in the world. And then following that, we're actually going to talk about day of or even the night before tips and tricks to get you through your first competition day. And then we're going to talk about burnout because that's what we're feeling right now. Yes. All right, stay tuned. Bye.